you're now tuned into another episode of The Underground. Each week, we dive into what it means to create, nurture, and live in communities everywhere. This is The Underground with Ryan Moore and Justin Lon Carrick. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Underground Podcast. I am Justin, and I am with Ryan. What's up, bud? Ryan and I are now taking social distancing to a new level. We're separating ourselves. Couldn't stand you. Had to get away from you. That's right. So we are at at completely different spots. We are virtual and uh, doing the best we can to to keep safe and keep everybody around us safe. So that's why we're doing it. Yeah, it's uh, the lockdown just happened. If you're listening to this, we were just placed into lockdown. We had the, lock- the Ontario lockdown orders. So Justin and I have decided to exit the underground cave at the pond. And the light was we're so now, bright. Uh, <laughs> yeah, now, now I, have the, I have the luxury of my kitchens right next door. I have, uh, but I'm, I'm excited, Justin. Why? Why I'm are excited you excited right Brian? now? I'm excited. Number one, Christmas is two days away from when we're recording this. I'm excited for Christmas. By the time everyone else hears this, it'll probably already come and passed. I'm also excited that the World Juniors are set to start. I was just hearing that uh, there is still some COVID lurking around in the World Junior camps in Edmonton, but it looks like they're going to be good to get into the bubble. Once they're in the bubble, World Junior Hockey starts Christmas Day. Canada doesn't play till Boxing Day, but we'll have hockey on Christmas Day to watch That'd from be the initial steps of the lockdown. I haven't. I've been, that's further, one thing. I will, say, I will say I've been yeah. missing hockey a lot because between over the winter months, generally the the thing that kind of breaks up the evening hours is to have a hockey game on in the background. Mm-hmm. And we. And it's, How weird was it? How so weird, weird was it? November, November, December, so and weird. seven o'clock, and we're watching football you're you're you're, or you're watching football or (laughs) you're like endlessly scrolling through netflix trying to find the next thing to watch which is just that thing now they've added have you noticed on netflix they added the shuffle button (laughs) so because you can never figure it out when you just when you see your name at the front just just play something whatever i don't care just play something because we're done yeah but yeah so i find myself I find myself going through the just added section yeah, a lot. That's right. That's right. It's, I mean, it's, there's all those memes out there about finishing Netflix. I'm sure we're getting close. <laughs> yeah. I finished, I, I finished Netflix, but hockey I got is the such, Disney one too, but hockey is such a huge part of our culture and our day-to-day activity around here in the wintertime for a lot of people. I mean, our family, it's, it's a connector. It's a bonding thing that my son and I do, or my sons and I do at night. Sometimes we'll watch the Leaf games or the Pittsburgh Penguins games, depending on which son I'm sitting with at the time. But uh, yeah, it's so exciting to see that we actually have an opportunity to watch some good hockey and like live exciting hockey that can get your, uh, yeah. your, your pulse racing and, and see some excitement. That's what I'm missing is the excitement of like, it's one thing to watch a game that's like a re- recording or like a replay of a game. You know yeah. the outcome and all that. That's why I have a hard time recording, you know, games and watching it later in the day even. I'd rather just watch it live, absorb it, and feel the feels of that game, right? Yeah, well, that like we were so spoiled for a little bit there. We, we, we initially, when the first COVID stuff hit, we got hockey ripped away from us like like a snap of a finger. I think it was, was the NBA that Rudy 
whatever that Ru- Rudy guy, whatever touching microphones, then test positive <laughs> oh, all yeah, of a sudden. Rudy sport. Gobert. Yeah, that was insane. <laughs> that that feels like so long ago, but that was what it was. All of a sudden, just that happened. Snap your fingers. No more hockey. No more basketball. No more football. Whatever it was, no more. Then we got it back for a little bit. Yep. When when did that happen? That was what May, yeah. June, June into June. Yeah, yeah. June, we, we started getting, we got hockey back and we had it every day. We had 12 games every single day. Mm. And then it ended. The Stanley Cup went to Tampa. And then now, like, the, the hockey months started back up with no hockey. It just felt so weird. But it was weird just to be watching hockey in the summer that way. Yeah. It wasn't, Stanley it Cup. feel right to see the Stanley yeah. Cup at that time of year. <laughs> like, I mean, the Stanley Cup's normally awarded right at the very beginning of June. Right. So you have, you're just getting into your summer, but it's only two teams left and, and that's it. Mm-hmm. This time it was like, we were watching the first round, like 12 different games. You'd be in a pool, put the TV beside the pool and you're, yeah. you're watching the NHL playoff. Mojito in hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mojito, little, little tiny umbrella. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a good uh, pool drink unless it has a tiny umbrella. And that's what of course. I find makes the taste. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so what's the, so they're going into the bubble for the world juniors. What's the thing going to be for NHL or sorry. Yeah. For the NHL this year, have you, have they, they just released some details like this week. Yeah. So the, the Canadian division is happening. All teams right now are except for Vancouver. The Ontario teams have been approved Manitoba, Alberta, Quebec, the, the premier of Quebec, whatever his name is actually made a joke when he was announcing like all of this COVID stuff. And they said, well, how come, how come the NHL is allowed to play while we're all stuck at home? And the, and the premier of Quebec said something like, uh, well, I'm excited to see what this new lineup looks like. (laughs) I'm like, but I don't know. That might be a little, that might be a little tone deaf at the time right now, but then, but Vancouver, they're uh, they're having a tough go. Their premiers being stickler on letting them play, so Vancouver might have to try and find another place to play. Which are they, they allowing the cross province play? They must be because I mean, like yeah. Quebec is like really bad right now, mm-hmm. and will and has not gotten better. Well, they've gotten a little bit better, but they had it worst from the beginning, and so. Montreal as a team, I would expect, would be the one where people are like, "Whoa, we don't want yeah, that well, coming here." <laughs> I think what I think what I've heard, I haven't been able to see the schedule yet, but what I've heard is it's going to be like baseball style, where you go and and you play three teams or two teams back to back or back to back to back or three games in four nights, and then you go somewhere else just to try and limit crossover as much as possible. And so, the theory is while you're in the city, you gotta, you gotta isolate. You're in a bubble. You're in your own say, bubble. Is, how, how is it not? I mean, you got to figure these guys are going to fly to Vancouver. Let's say, for example, they'll fly in on their jet, hop off the jet. They won't even have to go through the airport. They can have a bus probably waiting for them on the tarmac. If they so chose hop in mm-hmm. the bus that's cleaned out, sanitized, drive straight to the hotel. Guys hop out of the back door of the hotel, straight into the hotel. Um, and then to the rink from there through the same bus. I mean, that seems pretty isolated to me. Yeah. How do you, I mean, I guess it's up to the players at that point just to be like, listen, I ain't going out. I'm staying in my room. We're going to have use of the facilities here. And, you know, I don't know. Like, it just seems like that seems pretty isolated. So what would the hangup be? I think it's public perception. Like, why are you allowed to work and I'm not type of thing? That makes sense. 
And they're also I'll tell you getting, why, because of millions of dollars <laughs> yeah. or billions of dollars, I suppose. The NHL has also bought the rapid tests too. Right. So the NHL players are getting rapid tests every single morning. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, if they can, how come we can't buy that for our population? It's money, obviously. Yeah. Money makes money. So by having the NHL product on the ice, they're making money, which makes them able to give the tests. But explain that to someone in Vancouver who's not allowed to work, not well, making any money, right? Perhaps. The, well, and that's the thing. Maybe that maybe there becomes a charitable element there where we have to expect these teams to sort of give back. You know, hey, listen, we'll donate to the food bank for this amount of money if we're coming into town. I don't yeah, know. But like, one, it's, it is yeah. what it is. Everything's a money-making opportunity for everyone, I suppose. Of course, it's, yeah, money makes the world go around, of course. But the other, the one positive that I think I see out of it is the fact that if it's on TV and I'm in lockdown, I have something to entertain me. I have something to keep me in my house on my couch rather than, you know, oh, I'm bored. I'm going to go see John down the street type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, and, and if it, if it's, and if they open up the, the viewing of it for sure, because for example, how many times did you go down to the bar to see the West coast game? Cause you couldn't see it here in, you know, in Toronto or whatever, you know, the blocked out games, the Montreal games were the ones that were usually blocked out. Right. So yeah. I mean, like you, if you give, if you give access to those things across Canada, to allow us all to be home and watch those things. We, you know, it, it keeps us home. Yeah. We'll see. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit lucky. It's not always the case, but a lot of my players, I have two players that, that play for Ed, three players that play for Edmonton, the Oilers. That's cool. And I, I haven't bought the NHL package yet because all three of them haven't been playing at the same time yet, but it sound, I don't know, knock on wood. Hopefully these boys can make a real push and we can get all three of them actively consistently playing, but uh, they're always the late game. So the late game, usually you get one, you get one Toronto game and then the late game, whatever the late game is, if Calgary, Vancouver and Edmonton are all playing, they pick one. And sometimes I get screwed with that. But for the most part, I do get to watch because of the Connor McDavid effect. They do like to put Connor McDavid on in the Toronto market a lot. Yeah. I got a question for you. What's the, so we've been home a lot more, obviously I'm sitting here next to my computer and next to my computer is an empty plate of food. So one of the things we've been experimenting with at home is eating sandwiches more. Mm -hmm. What sort of sandwiches are you, do you eat sandwiches in general or do you like, do you do open face or closed or what, like, what do you do? Well, I've eaten and given a whole bunch of knuckle sandwiches over my lifetime, but (laughs) you you left it open, Justin. I did. You left it open. I had to go for it. No, but I like when I make a Sandy, I I like uh, like a specialty bagel. I'll get a specialty bagel. Like an everything bagel? Like an everything or maybe like a cheese bagel or something like that. And and then I'll make a sandwich out of that. I like to get, uh, I I spruce up my my sandwiches a little bit. Like I'll go plain Jane with the, with just like the sliced meat, like sliced ham or something on there, maybe some bacon. But like, I do like to spice up the the mustard and the, what's it called? Mayo. No, 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 no. I'm not like that. <laughs> no, but they they do sit. They sm- uh, what, what's my favorite? French's has this smoky, smoky honey mustard, and it's mm-hmm. like a barbecue mustard at the same time. It's got a little bit of tang to it at the same time. So, the reason I'm asking is because we've been like I I've been pretty consistent, and I find myself falling into like this constant same thing over and over again, and I'm looking for change. So, like when mm-hmm. we used to go to. I'm a very plain person and I'll, when I used to go to like, you know, the brick oven bakery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'd go there and I'd buy a sandwich and, and I'd say, I'd like some, you know, like a ham on it. 
And they'd be like, okay, uh, tomato, cheese, mustard, mayo. No, none of that. Just ham. Just ham. Nothing else. You're they're, just they're, a ham They're looking at me like a freak. And I'm like, is that weird that I just want plain Jane? So I come home, and when I do it at home, I'll just have like, I'll have like some dried, you know, like a Hungarian sausage or something, like sliced up <laughs> with a little bit of ham. That's it. Yeah. You know, might throw a pickle in there, maybe. But no sauce. That's why they were. The sauces no and, sauce? the, and the mustards to me, I don't know. I feel like they ruin the the flavor of the the ham. Okay, well, do you heat it up? No, no. Okay, but so I that's, find the bread's that's dry where sometimes. I. Mm. That's why. so I for for the sauce. Like I, I I hear you on the sauce, but for me, I have to. That's why I was asking if you heat it up because sometimes if you put the sauce on and then heat it up, right? I don't like that as much. Sometimes I like to leave it separate. Like I stack it all up. We've the top separate and then there's go nothing, from there. And then I put the than sauce left, on after it's heated up. There's nothing better than leftover sandwiches though. Like leftover last night's dinner sandwiches. That's what I'd really enjoy. So I'll throw yeah. like, the other night we had steak and I had way too much steak. We cooked it anyway. Little thin slices, throw that on a bun with some pickle golden right there. To me, that is, that is quality eating. When you eat leftover food and you repurpose it into something for some reason, steak Tastes really good the next day. You know what else tastes really next good the next day is fried chicken. Tastes yes. really good the next day. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I was. Uh, you probably get a little bit more leftover than I do though, because you're your family, right? So when you're cooking, you're cooking bulk food. So you kind of have to guesstimate how much you're going to eat, and then you probably end up with leftovers. With me, it's just me and my girlfriend, so we're pretty good at portion control and stuff I like think that. We, we just try to, to make cook. more in general because then it feeds us the next day. There you go. So you, you're planning for you're planning yeah. ahead. So when we <laughs> do your, like your... Wednesday night is pizza night for the kids. So we'll go grab pizzas and I'll buy two extra large pizzas for the three kids because I don't really eat the pizza. Andy might have a slice or two. And we do it on purpose because we know there'll be half a pizza left over with which we can put on plates in the morning of the following day and say, hey, kids, mm-hmm. when it's time because we're all virtual now, especially during school. So it's like, hey, kids, when yeah. it's time for lunch, grab your pizza, throw it in the microwave. You're good to go. And we don't have to actually lift a finger to make them lunch. So that's really kind of the, you see, this is, this is me teaching you how to become a parent. Okay. This is me giving you all the, all the info here. You got to be prepared for the following day because you don't want to get be stuck prepared. out in the dry. I hung out to dry. I got uh, my fun, my fun parts were when I was in elementary school, if my mom was away on a business trip or something like that, it was awesome because I knew I was getting a slice of pizza or uh, McDonald's <laughs> delivered to the office at lunchtime. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> like, Ryan Moore, please come to the office. <laughs> come down and it's like your dad dropped this off for you. Here's nice. your line. <laughs> I'll tell you. So one of the things I've been dabbling in this, this quarantine is trying to sort out some of the food that my grandmother made when I was a kid. She's still alive. Mm. So I get, you know, it's not about like, Oh, you know, that kind of thing yet, but she's got some great recipes that she used to make for us. She still makes them for us. And um, they come from a long time ago. There's this one. I don't really know if there's another name for it. I only know it for what we call it. It's called fleckle. And I think I'm going to have to make this for you one day because I think I've pretty much perfected it. It sounds like something an elf on a shelf would make. Totally. And it looks like it too. It's like a red orange color. It's it's so the the premise of the dish, and the only way I can explain it is just by telling you is you put onion in a pan or in a pot, you fry it up and then throw some potatoes in and some water and some paprika. And then you make a dough and cut it into chunks and then throw that in there as well and just let it simmer down and boil all the water off. 
and it turns into this like soft oniony paprika. If you like a little bit of heat, you can put some heat in it. You know, and the dough chunks are just so like they, when you get a dough chunk, it's like, oh. is it kind of like a like a hash brown, but different? It's like a hash brown, but it's it's got the dough in it, which makes the it's difference. more bready. And it's yeah. yeah. And it's not the first time you have it. It's not so much fried like a hash brown. It's more mm. soft, like a boiled potato in a way. But the flavor is uh, okay. way different. There's way more flavor because of the paprika and the salt and whatnot. But I have to make you this one day so you can actually experience this sort of. And the funniest part about this dish is that. You got to remember what it comes from. It's not funny. It's actually very interesting. You got to remember what it comes from. My grandmother grew up through World War II and all they had in their yard was their own vegetables and cows and things like that. So they had onions and potatoes. Those were easy things to grow because they're very hardy yeah. and they just grow. And so, you know, they, and the, the best part about it is I would, back in the day, I would go and peel, peel potatoes with my grandmother. Yeah. And if I peeled too much potato off the edge, like off the skin off, she'd smack me. Like, what are you doing? Too much potato. You're wasting food. You're wasting yeah. food because they didn't have enough back then. To and so her mother smacked her and so on. And it was like that was just the rite of passage to to cut this potato up. But this is a food that what I'm enjoying is passing it down. So you know, we're, my my middle son Ethan loves it, and he actually asked for it the other day. And I was like, oh, now it's kind of a it's a it's a process to make it to go through making it, but well worth it in the end when you get to the end. But just amazing that he loves it. My other two kids, they don't they're not very. Ex- they don't really like trying new stuff. It's very, mm-hmm. this is it. I'm going to eat meat and potato. I'm going to have milk or water. Milk. Yeah. <laughs> they love milk. <laughs> well, that, that, yeah, that's, that's who, not who they take after. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the apples don't fall far, eh, Justin? No, but yeah. it's, it's funny that you bring up those recipes. But I have one that uh, I've recently tried with my girlfriend. It's we we call it yellow chicken. It's chicken and it turns yellow, so we've just called it yellow chicken. And it's this passed down recipe that we've had, but it involves like um, mustard, uh, ketchup, and Worcestershire sauce, and then you add rice in, and it's this real tangy chicken my girlfriend it's been passed down it's always been made for me <laughs> and it's always been made well for me from your girlfriend's so family or from your family no my family this okay. is a my family thing and uh so we tried it the other night and the other night a couple weeks ago we tried it and we failed with the, the mustard you needed like heaping amounts of mustard into it yeah. to, to make it work yeah. and i didn't why we went grocery shopping for it and i'm like no we have mustard at home we're fine not enough <laughs> didn't have enough mustard and then I had to dip into some of my, to make up for it, I had to dip into some of my, like, special my barbecue, my special barbecue mustards that I like. And that did not, it was not that, no, don't do that. <laughs> stick to the recipe. Stick to the recipe. Especially yeah. your first time. Yeah. Stick to the recipe before you, before you screw something up. But, um. Where do the Moors come yeah. from? Yeah. Like, I know we've talked the, about more? my family's European. Where are the Moors from? So this was actually passed down on my Poliziani side. So this is the Italian side that passed this one down. But more um, is actually a part of Ireland. Uh, it's heavy, heavy, heavy Irish. It's actually, it kind of relates to the way I look. I, I have dark hair, blue eyes, and and I tan well. And I'm hev- and I'm heavily Irish. So how does that how does that uh, work out? And what it was is I've done my ancestry and me and then part of my school i had to look back into my family history and and write a paper about my family history and stuff it's geography and demographics uh boring stuff there but anyways the how the story goes is the spanish armada tried to invade the uk they didn't succeed and they were pushed back 
through that process, the UK, especially the Irish, took a lot of Spanish prisoners. Those prisoners ended up just getting let out and live your life in Ireland, and they bred with Irish people. And so the Irish people, so you got Irish people that had blue eyes, dark hair, and tan well. If you've ever read Othello, the spa- the Shakespeare, mm-hmm. the dark person, the, the dark person that um, a lot of people associate with being a black person, but it's not, it's dark tanned, just like they would refer to an Italian, like a Sicilian. Right. They call them the Moors, M-O-O-R. And oh. so my last name is derived from that. It means dark person. Have you done one um, of those 23andMe or like what are those ant- ancestry, you actually did the, yes. the thing yeah. with I'm actually, yeah, yeah. So I'm actually... Uh, <laughs> So the Moor is actually Irish nobility. They worked their way up and nice. became Irish nobility. So I have like a coat of arms and everything nice. for my family. It's pretty that cool. That is so cool. Yeah. What happened? And apparently <laughs> there's there's three. Yeah, what happened? <laughs> but our, our, our coat of arms is actually pretty cool. It says Moor and there's three knights heads on the top. And it's because the original Moor had to fight three different people, three different noblemen. And he killed all three of them. And that's how he won his nobility and the Moors. That's ever, amazing. Ever, ever more. I feel yeah. that is so exciting. I, I would be all over that. I'd be like, I'd be totally all over that. That's amazing. What's Lonkeric? It's IC. Is that uh, Serbian? So, so, or? so the launch, yeah, launch is the actual name. And a lot of people ask me if I'm Croatian, but it's actually, Croatian. right. It's, it's Serbian. Um, I play, I played hockey with a lot of Serbs. So I know, uh, I, yeah. I yeah. know that I see on the end there. Yeah. And, but now the story goes, my grandfather crossed over into Austria during the war and met my grandmother. And what happened was they wouldn't let him back into Serbia after that because the borders got shut down. And obviously there was, you know, there was lots of bad stuff war. going on. Yeah. War. Yeah. And so he ended up staying in Austria with my grandmother they got married and so on and then had my dad and then he came to Canada and that's how they ended up coming. But, um, there's so many interesting stories from that time. I mean, you you have interesting stories from England and those areas, but the the in the trenches in Europe, like my my grand my grandfather's dad went off to try to fight his way back into Serbia and never came home. They don't know where he is. Gone. And of course, in the nature of war, got shot dead somewhere probably and no idea where he is. No one brought no him one back. of those an unknown grave, unknown yeah. grave somewhere. Yeah, just sad story. My other grandfather, <sighs> who I love because his name is Paul. His his original name was Paul Aleskovitz. He came to Canada and changed his name to Paul Paul. Paul Paul. Paul Paul. He just decided I want to be make it easy, right? He, he's he, from I'll never Russia. This. He was originally from Russia, so the Aleskovitz came from that. But he was like. He was like a Jewish Russian, if that makes any sense. So he had he a, would he, probably Belarusian area, I would assume. Yes, with that type somewhere. of last name, he'd probably that's right. See, Justin, you're you're dabbling into what my this my is university. Where, yes, exactly. Yeah, so um, the Polish, Ukrainian, yep. Belarusian, all that area there is all the skis. So, but when he came to Canada, he felt like, hey, my name doesn't make sense here. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it simpler, and he changed his name to Paul 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 A Paul. And, but his story was that in world war two, he was a mechanic on uh, for airplanes. So he was in, huh? in England and, or somewhere in Europe at some point and, and, and a bomber came in and it was completely on fire landed. And my grandfather ran into this fire and saved like three people out of the plane. 
and wow. got some sort of commendation for that. Again, I have no, I have other family, like my mom's family that's still out there that have all these things. And I don't really have mm-hmm. the specifics, but that's the story that I've heard, which is pretty cool. Not as cool as like, Hey, I had to slay three nights to get this coat. <laughs> that's that's like way back. That's like most Morris can claim that because that's how far back it goes. Yeah. So, <laughs> but no, it's cool that, you know, your, your military history and stuff like that, because I know that I did have on the more side, one of my great, great, great grandfathers was a Navy captain for the UK. Like he captained a ship. Cool. That That's all we know about him mm-hmm. really. And he was the first one to come to Canada after world war one. Mm-hmm. And the rest is, is history there. But yeah, I actually have a cool picture but I have a, I have a picture that is my grandfather as a baby. Wow. Or no, sorry. Excuse me. It is my great grandfather as a baby sitting on the lap of my, and all in the picture. It's my great, great grandfather, my great grandfather, my great, great, great grandfather. There's five wow. people and it goes back five generations and That's it's all cool. Moors. That's cool. And, and yeah, and it's in Hamilton. The picture was taken in Hamilton, Ontario. That's where they all settled. That's really cool. But, uh, yeah, that stuff's interesting to me. I, I I went through Ancestry once way back in the day before when it was not super in-depth, like when it first became a thing. Never did yeah. the never did the swab or anything, but, um, you know, tried to go through their website to find all the stuff. I'm sure it's way better than it ever was back when I was looking at it. Because as, as they add more information to that website, yeah. more people jump in, it, it becomes a better source, right? Once I, once, I've done it, so once a month I'll get an update saying oh, cool. that we've we've refined where you're from so the irish is very clear it's it's tyrone ireland is they've nailed my family down to there my dna to there but then the whole italian side because italy was such a wishwash of everything because it's yeah. in the mediterranean right it was a port of call mm-hmm. so italian people have a hard time tracing their lineage because there's just so much going on there. The Sicilians, the, the Greece. Yeah. Yeah. It was, Italy was just like the whole coast. Think of it as a peninsula yeah. sticking down into the major trade route of yep. Europe. Yeah. So you had literally everyone crossing over with you. So your DNA is everything. <laughs> and everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. yeah. Like we- I've, I've got Swedish that showed up in mine and they're like, you you have, you are 1% Swedish. And I'm like, who the hell is from Sweden? Where did this come in? That's cool. But yeah, we were, we were talking recently just about what we're going to do. I posted on Instagram as of today, when we recorded this, we're thinking of putting a rink in the backyard. I feel like, you know, the logic behind it is that because we're not really, we can't spend any money over the next 30 days on their hockey. Right. We just can't cause everything's shut down for 28 days after boxing day anyway. And so the kid, the problem I'm having, the kids are just so obsessed with their devices that it's hard to get them out of the house. And hockey is definitely something they love and they never complain about going to. So it's like, okay, well, yeah. if I put a rink in the backyard, my concern if becomes. You put, yeah. If you put ice though, I don't think you'll, I don't think if you put ice in your kids will be fine. The weather is an issue. Yes. Mm. But it's not so much as an issue as you think. If you set it up properly, you'll have days where you can't use it. But then the next day, it's back to being usable. What, so what, if you have your tarp lined properly, so you don't lose your water. Yeah, that's right. So how deep does a rink need to be? This is going to be a lesson for me. Do you know, or am I am I just uh, a good a good rink should be three to five inches. Mm-hmm. 
a good layer of ice should be three to five inches, but anything really over three inches is skatable. There's a, there, there's a, that's what she said joke in there somewhere. Um, you but, always go there, Justin. You got you. I know I'm horrible. The, uh, we built a rink back in our old house, which we had a much smaller backyard. And the problem we had there was it was on the one corner was way too thick. So that mm-hmm. if you, even though it did freeze, if you skated into that corner, the whole, the bottom didn't freeze. So the whole corner would sink down and it would get wet. So that was a problem. So, and this, we're kind of similar problem in my backyard now where the, the one section of the yard kind of dips down a bit, not severely, but enough that from here to here, it's different. So, so. if you, if you build the rink and the boards and line it properly, water levels itself. So that, so just what you got to do is don't put down a small layer. Like you got to start with the trickle. You got to get your base. You got to get your water freezing first and and get that liner frozen into the ground. Once you have that, you can kind of dump a heavier load of water on because water will level itself. It's not, it's going to go where gravity takes it. So what you're saying is start with a small amount of water, get that frozen. Yes. That will help your liner. So if you put your liner, your tarp down, and then you put a small layer of water and let that freeze and then do another small layer of water and then let that freeze and then do another small layer over and over again until you think that it's thick. What that'll do is that'll get that liner nice and snug and airtight, basically. Right. Once that's there, then you can dump your water on and it'll level itself initially and then freeze. If you have leaks and if you have your liners not doing its proper job, the water is going to freeze as it's traveling. Right. So you don't want it freezing as it's traveling. You want it getting to a spot, leveling itself, and then freezing. Right. So my issue when I did the last one then, even with that deeper one, one section that was deeper, was that I just filled it to the top and just let it be. And then it never really ever froze because it was just this huge pile of water. It's over there. Thick. Yeah. Yeah. The other qual- for quality of ice is do layers because if you do one solid layer and you go to do a tight turn and you, you take a chunk out that can, this is science now, Justin, this oh, is science. This is tough. My brain. Is- <laughs> if you, yeah, if you, if you put it all in one layer um, and it's extremely cold out, you'll be fine. But if you're hovering with weather and you're, you're worried about it getting anytime it gets close to zero, it's you're risking melt. So five degrees and below is the optimal for, for ice. Minus five but degrees and below. Minus five okay, and below. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. M- minus five. But once you get that initial layer, if you keep building layers, when they go to do a tight turn, the consistency of what froze is different depending on what the weather conditions were outside. So when you do a tight turn, if you've layered your ring, mm. only that layer will chip away and that's easily repaired. If Got you it. did it one shot, fill up your water, you a can do a chunk, chunk and it could take three inches down in wow. that chunk because it's all one consistency. Huh. It all froze at the same time. That's so interesting. I never even thought of that. And you know, it's a brilliant idea to layer it out because then, like you said, I just do the corner that's low, let mm-hmm. that freeze out. Cause that'll take no time if it's a thin layer and just keep layering it up. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. It is more of a process. It's more work. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why a lot of people don't do it that way. It's because it's 30 minutes quick, five minutes and then wait 30 minutes, five minutes and then wait 30 minutes, like five minutes of flooding, wait 30 minutes mm-hmm. and people are impatient, right? So they're like, ah, get my rink going. Uh, I'm going to put a ton of water, go to bed and it'll be ready in the morning. And then you don't have as good quality of a rink. Wow. We've learned so much today. 
Jeez. Think about natural ice. Natural ice doesn't freeze in one shot. If it froze in one shot and you went out there, you'd fall through. I saw a great video. <laughs> I think it might have been on TikTok of this kid. I think he was doing a tight turn or something on his home rink, and he just went straight through. They, they, he oh, was, no. like, jumping the gun to get on it. Yeah. And he literally went straight through. And the best part was he did it in the middle, so he went straight through there, tried to oh. hop up, and then the whole thing was just a nightmare. Was he in his he's, pool? No, Did no, they, he, he was on a on a rink, but he was like they built a rink. But the problem, the point is, is that he he tried to turn, smashes through, gets up to try to keep going and get out because he's like ah, because like you know when you step in a puddle, you try to get shock, out. Of it. Yeah, and he's yeah. like trying to get out, but he's just smashing through now as he goes along because he had they had they had jumped the gun jumped the gun on getting in there. It was pretty well, funny, but yeah. Nah. So I'm gonna have to. Uh, I think what I might do is uh, is Instagram the progress because I think you've actually given me some some hope that we can actually do this properly and make the it. other key. The other key is hot water. So, so explain please. Number one science wise. Well, well when you're initially starting, you can use cold water, cold at water will bottom. do fine. Yeah. At the very bottom, cold water will do fine. Um, hot water actually freezes faster than cold water does because it's molecules are moving hot molecules move and then it, bonds together so once you have once you have your layer of ice your initial layer of ice it won't do the best i don't recommend it there but build a little layer of ice just so that that keeps you know freezing 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 and then hot water is key because what that does is as it goes it'll melt imperfections and then freeze right so it'll flatten but if surface. you're using yes but if you're using hot water you need a hot water hose they're usually called like farm hoses because you'll blow your rings on a regular well, yes, if you're using course, hot water. Yeah, no. Um, so I guess my question then becomes, I don't really have a hot water source to be able to put it through a hose. Mm. Can I just do use you have a, a bucket? Do you have a basin sink in the basement? Like a, like a laundry uh, sink or something like that? No. Uh, on the main Like floor. a tub sink? Yeah, on the main floor. Yeah. So I guess I could connect it to that, take it out the back door. Ah, those usually have the, those yes, usually have the, the yes. connector, the screw. Yeah. You are brilliant. How, it sounds it's not like my you've first done rodeo, this Justin. <laughs> so yeah, okay. So that's a good segue. Yeah. The pond. Yes. My my rink that my father made for me when I was ten years old. The reason he got inspired to make that for me is every year in my backyard, he would make an ice rink for me. We had a nice big backyard. There was actually like a, a hundred year old maple tree right in the middle. So it was the best defenseman in the world. We had just build the rink right, left the maple tree in the middle. So you just gotta have to keep to your head up as you're skating through the middle. But uh that's amazing. Yeah, that, yeah, you know, when you, you talk about defensive man, that guy was a tree. This was literally a tree. But, uh, but yeah, so he, he built that in the backyard for me. And my sister and I, she would practice her figure skating out there. And I would practice hockey out there. And I started getting good. So my dad's like, hey, like, this is awesome being able to just train you and, and, and do some drills. And then you can go have fun and. That's what. That's also why we called it the pond, is because that's the concept. That just go skate on an outdoor rink, and but ours is indoor and available all the time. It's not a full size arena; it's half size, and that's all my backyard was, and it's all you need. That's cool, and you full on inspire me now. We may never yeah. come back to the actual pond. We'll just have it in the backyard. Forget it. Hey, you can hire me out to your ring. That's right. There we go. We'll just hire you. Yeah. The kids will be so disappointed. They'll be like, okay, time to go outside to play. And then you'll be there and they'll be like, oh. Okay, Canadian circles. Here we go. <laughs> That's great. There's been some pretty cool rinks around, though, around the city of Burlington people have put together. I've seen some pretty elaborate 
structures with lights and lines on the ice and all kinds have of stuff. Have you seen, okay, so there's one, I think in Hamilton, I saw it on Instagram. Um, I'll have to try and find it and post it, but the person was uh, uh, a concert lighting guy. Nice. So oh, that- <laughs> he has all the rigging up for the lighting, but here's the coolest part. He ran LED lights through the ice under the ice so like he froze them in so the blue line lights up blue and the red line lights up red and the creases light up blue so at night the rink the ice is glowing it's it's so cool cool. looking yeah the the coolest home rink i've ever been on was i showed a property in oakville last winter and it was the house was 10 million dollars and it literally like if you took the pond and dropped it on this person's like your facility and dropped it on this person's backyard that's what it was it was a perfect ice surface i guess what they had was like a basketball net like a basketball court back there and they turned that that flat surface into an ice surface Mm -hmm. with proper boards with the yellow strip across the top and the you know the bottom and everything and and everything and the and the coolest part was i was like i want to drive this it was like a kubota tractor with a big zamboni attachment on the back so full on like they were full out it was beautiful ice for an outdoor surface i was like this is nice i could do this but i wonder how much that i mean because there was also i think you brought this up in uh in the christmas episode did i did we talk about because because we were talking about that because it's uh it sounds a lot like if you know sam gagne his father dave gagne he had a lakeshore house in oakville and he built a legitimate rink in the backyard for his son he himself owns now ice rink company they make the product called custom ice they make they're actually who put the ice in my rink at the pond they they do all the piping and they'll build you a rink cool so he has one built in his backyard and he actually bought our very first we we called it the zamboni but it was a john deere (laughs) riding mower and and we had an attachment on the back so to do that. And that's where him and like John Tavares would, Sam Gagne and John Tavares, all the stories about him on the backyard rink. That's where it was at oh, cool. Dave Gagne's house on the lakeshore in Oakville. That's cool. Yeah, that's where a yeah. lot of these stories come from. You see a lot of these, like, and now more than ever, right? Much like musicians or, I don't know, actors and things like that, that come from YouTube videos and whatever. Athletes are the same. So you see a yeah. kid, you see these kids now excelling on Instagram and Facebook and all these things where you suddenly see a post on, on what's the other one? TikTok, where you TikTok. see a kid that's like, you know, doing these tight turns and you're like, holy crap, that kid's seven years old and he skates like that. Wow. And that's how kids are getting discovered nowadays. Uh, am I right there or am I right there? Well, speaking about that, what's the guy, uh, the Canadian on the Pittsburgh Steelers undrafted. He was from Vancouver, Clayton. Um, Anyways, he's one of the NFL people who watch NFL regularly are going to be so upset with us because he's like heading towards MVP of the NFL right, right now. But he was undrafted from Vancouver. He sent a sizzle reel out on, on Facebook. Reel. That's what they're called. Is that what they're called? The, the, the sizzle reel, yeah. Yeah, you, you send out your sizzle reel and he got discovered by the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. This guy's having a hell of a season. He's a Canadian prospect and Canadian kid from Vancouver and Chase Claypool is his name. That's what it is. Yes. Chase Claypool. Yep. Yeah. So what happened was in high school, he wasn't getting any looks and he put his sizzle reel out there. And then all of a sudden Notre Dame came knocking. Mm-hmm. 
they saw the sizzle reel, and then so he ended up at Notre Dame. But he did something like he had four receiving touchdowns and one running touchdown. It was like some sort of record in Steelers history mm-hmm. in one game. Mm-hmm. Like, nice. good Canadian boy. It's nice to see Ooh, more Canadians Canada. down there, that's for sure, On, in all different sports and all different levels, right? It's really cool. I mean, back when I was playing ball, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of Canadian content down in the U.S., right? Everyone was so proud. And I suppose hockey is a little different because they come from all over the world. But in baseball especially, like those Americanized sports where it's like Americans dominated all the time. But uh, it's yeah, great well, to see. It's, it's almost a shame. I wish we asked. We have other people that we can probably have on in the future that we can ask this to. But I wish we asked this to like Becky Keller or Dylan Moscovich. In our previous episodes, there were, there were Olympians that we – um, interviewed if you guys want to go have a listen to, to those episodes to know what I'm talking about. But we had that for Vancouver Olympics. We have that own the podium program that we sparked because we were like, we're, we're hosting the Olympics. Let's invest a ton of money into sport. Mm-hmm. And didn't we kill it? Like we got like some like 14 gold medals or something mm-hmm. like that. All of a sudden after that, I feel like that was like the sport in Canada has always been huge, obviously, but very staggered with what was getting the funding. And with that, like bobsled got a ton of money. Skeleton got a ton of money. Biathlon got a ton of money. All these different sports in Canada got a ton of money. Now we're going to have the world cup of soccer. We're splitting it. Canada, America, Mm -hmm. Mexico. Mm -hmm. So soccer is getting a ton of funding right now, getting put into it because we're going to be on the world well, stage, we so like, let's that, not embarrass uh, ourselves. Off, who's the guy from Canada that went down and he's playing in, not went down, but he's playing in, in Europe now. In, in Europe, uh, yeah. What's his Davies. name? He's there. There's Davies another one. his last name, I think. And and I mean, like that, but that sort of thing sparks the excitement for people. It's like the 92-93 World Series. It sparked excitement. It's like the gold medal game. It sparked excitement for Canada, the the gold the golden goal. It's it's uh, anything. Alfonso, Alfonso, Alfonso Davies. Davies. Yeah, I think, you're, I think you're right there. And I think things like that, people get excited about interestingly enough though soccer is one of the largest almost bet more than hockey it's the it's the most played sport in canada i think mm-hmm. i could be wrong about that we may have to google that but because of the because of how cheap it is to play ho- soccer over yeah, hockey you kick a ball even, you kick a ball you don't even really need like cleats or anything you just need maybe shin guards it's it's a very well played sport but and yet we don't see it we haven't seen up to this point a ton of funding behind it Maybe I'm missing something. We should get a soccer guy on here. We should. Maybe we'll try and reach out to Alfonso. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we can but, keep, dreaming. Uh, keep dreaming, right? We can dream. Yeah. But uh, no, yeah, that's the thing with, with hockey. It's just such a uh, cost-intensive sport. It's uh, That's the unfortunate part. The reason Canada got good at it in the first place is because we had outdoor rinks. Our, our ponds freeze in the wintertime. And so people were able to practice all winter long. When you hear the Gory Howe story, you hear about how he had rivers that ran through, I think he's from Saskatchewan, wherever he's from Saskatchewan, rivers ran through all through his town. So whenever he was going somewhere, he would just skate the river right? because the river would freeze over. And so whenever he was going somewhere, he would skate there. And that's how, and then he would start stick handling a puck as he was skating there. You hear about these stories of like Michael Jordan dribbling a basketball to school. And then on the way home, he used his other hand to dribble at home type of thing. But that, that's, that's what Canada so that, was like with hockey. But that's, that speaks to the idea that uh, this is where I think things are changing a little bit where when you see certain kids, like I have a, actually uh, my buddy, Chris, who was on um, our, po- our ex- uh, Christmas special podcast, his kid is dedicated to baseball. This kid's doing like mm-hmm. planks, and push-ups and 
bouncing a ball off a wall constantly. I feel like how I used to do when I was growing up. And then you see the level, and I'm not slagging my kids. I, I, I don't want to do that. But you can tell where their interests lie, right? And if, mm-hmm. if a kid is so interested that they're just doing that, where they're skating to work every day on those ponds or going outside, if my kids really wanted to play basketball, they'd be outside right now playing basketball. But they don't. And I'm not saying I'm going to force them to do something because certainly I don't want to piss them off and create more problems for me. But at the same time, I do want them to have that that sort of exercise, which kind of brings me full circle to the fact that because we live in a spot where I can put an ice rink back there, if I can do it, you know, they've, they've back, they've been supportive of that idea. Like, Hey dad, we're going to pop out there all the time. I mean, that'd be great. I'll build a little bench next to it so that I can put them on a, you know, they just bring their skates out and sit on the bench, put their skates on. So you need the warming hut. I need to build a whole warming hut. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that'll happen. I can, I'm not good with building anything. This is like just building a flat structure on the ground is going to be hard enough for me. So you're no Geppetto, eh? No, not at all. Not at all. Man. But uh, no, along what you were saying, it's um, I've always been a firm believer. Like, of course there is time and, and you always see these late bloomers, Pascal Siakam, is one of those uh, examples of a, of a late bloomer. He didn't start playing basketball, I think, until eight years before he made the NBA. But that aside, these greats that are in the sports, you always hear the stories of them at five years old. Sidney Crosby shooting into his dryer can yeah, at five years old. John Tavares couldn't get him off the backyard rink at Dave Gagne's house. Connor McDavid couldn't get him off the ice. You hear these stories of these kids that just are enthralled with it and they love it and they can't get enough of it. But my theory on it is the better you get at a game, the more fun it kind of gets, right? If you're not good and you're constantly getting beat, you get worn down and you don't like it. These kids have found their natural talent that made them good in the first place. So they love to go out on the ice and play around with it. Once they found that they're playing around with it, that in itself made them a little bit better. So now they're a little bit better than their opponent. And then they just kind of kept it. They just kind of kept that leg above the whole way. And when you're winning and when you're good, it's fun and you want to stick with it. Mm -hmm. But that brings me to a very good point is how to deal with adversity. Because at some point you're going to come up against adversity. These kids have kind of had that mental switch where they realize he beat me. I'm going on that backyard rink until I can beat him type well, of thing. Well, we have this Some everybody wins mentality though, right? Like everyone's getting medals and, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to tell them they've lost, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, even the soccer in today's day yeah. and age, I'm hearing that even rep soccer has these things where they don't keep score for the first whole bunch of years. And I'm not yeah. saying that's good or bad. I don't know what's right and wrong. I'm just saying that that's a thing. Now telling a kid that he's, you know, he, great job because you lost. I'm not saying he didn't try his best. But there's got to be some teaching moments there to teach them about losing versus, you know, just trying to build them up just because they lost. Right. I mean, yeah. flat out, they lost. So what, what we do, because I'm, I'm with you on that. I hate the everyone gets a medal because what are you teaching mm-hmm. in that moment? Mm-hmm. But I'm against the fact that a kid should feel left out or down on himself. I'm against that at the same time. So how do you walk that line? What we've decided to do at the pond, whether it's right or wrong, I'm sure I'll hear pushback on this, is we do give everybody a participation medal. At the young ages, at the very sure. young ages, we give everybody, you know what, you tried your hardest, you, you, you do deserve something for this, you fought for, for, to win this game, you didn't, you get this. But what we do up and above that is we give the winners 
something extra. Stanley so Cup. they get to sign. Yeah, they get the Stanley Cup, and we have a championship banner that goes up into the rafters, and every championship team gets to sign this banner. Cool. When it's filled, we're going to case it and start a new banner and just put that case of all the champions, past champions. So, you know, 10 years down the road, we might have a NHL star signature as a kid up on the wall. If we did that when I was younger, we would have had a couple because <laughs> our, our three-on-three was played against John Tavares, Sam nice. Gagne, nice. Uh, Adam Henrique, Taylor Hall, um, Ryan Ellis. They were all playing three-on-three against me at the pond. Cool. <laughs> but uh, so what we do is we, we try to – so then when the kids ask, well, how come I don't get to sign that and you didn't win? Mm. They still feel good about themselves because we told them good job for trying. This is what you get. But these guys, if you if you want to sign that, go practice. Like if you want to sign that, better yourself. Make your make yourself better. How did you how did you feel about this loss? What do you think you could do better? Let's make that happen. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a fan of the everybody wins kind of mentality. I like the mm-hmm. fact that people need like you're absolutely right. People need to learn. Kids need to learn about diversity and about the idea that. Because no, as soon as they get into the workplace, what's their world going to be like? Right? Yeah. Like they're not going to win every time. There's going to be a ton of crap thrown at them. So it's good to learn about these things. Right. I like the fact that if, if, if you get beat, figure out what you did wrong mm. to make that happen. If you didn't do anything wrong per se, how can you be better? Well, you know? that's, that's where the mentality falls short. Because if you're constantly telling your kid, you did great. It's a shame. They just, you know, they just beat you then you're mm-hmm. not really learning from that moment, right? Yes. You're just, you're just taking what it is and, and, and coddling over the moment that yeah. is a teaching moment. So I had to take coaching certification courses through the OHA, the Ontario Hockey Association, um, to be able to coach young hockey players. But uh, one of the things that they taught me, which I kind of would have already probably done anyways, but they, what they teach is if you're going to be correcting negative things try to find something positive like okay you're doing this well but i really want to see you doing this this and this type of thing because mentally that helps children a little bit better rather than beat them down beat them down it goes back to what i was saying i think it might have been one of our first podcasts where it was like some people like to put you into pressure situations, what yeah. like to pressure you down until you get a diamond. Yeah. I'm more of the philosophy. I'm going to polish you up until I get a diamond type yeah. of thing. Well, that's um, just, you know, keep the joy in the game because if it becomes work for a child, you don't want that. You want it always being a game. You want it. You want them learning how to work, to have fun not work for a negative result, right? At the end of the day, it is a game at the end of the day, yeah. right? So we have to kind of accept that. And there are a small amount of people that make it to the NHL. We've had this discussion mm-hmm. before. So we have to treat it like that. And and so I really believe that there's a fine line of the conversations that are being had on the bench and so on. But yeah, so yeah. listen, on that note, I think it's been a great conversation. I think we've had some fun. Yeah, so that's it. We're done for today. Let's shut, it down. Today. Let's shut it down. All right, everyone. Have we'll a see you day. sometime soon. Yeah. Have a good one. Bye. That was another episode of The Underground. 
Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Also, follow Justin on Facebook and see what he's up to in the real estate world at Justin Lon Carrick. And check out what Ryan is doing on the ice at more.hockey.